0: News Network. In the universe of mandates, whatever happened to my body, my choice, is that still a thing? Hmm. Well, that's one for the lawyers, I suppose. What exactly is the truth there? Well, this is TN, the Truth News Network. And we ask questions like that under the direction of
1: Dan Newman. Guess what else we do? We answer questions like that. Regarding my body, my choice, folks here in the United States, that's dead—at least the traditional definition of that term. Now it's whatever the government thinks. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hump Day, halfway to the weekend. Maybe we'll hear Clyde the Camel today regarding the Geico Hump Day commercial, right? (laughs) I hope you're doing good this week. I'm hoping that uh, the weather's good where you are. You know, crazy thing I heard this morning early. Um, a nor'easter hit the northeast. Obviously, a nor'easter would refer to the northeast. But very unexpectedly, they had inland snow, big snow, in New York and Pennsylvania. That's not supposed to happen in late April. But who can figure out the weather? You know, and of course, anytime you can't figure anything out about the weather, you just go to the default bucket, climate change. It's because of climate change. There's an explanation for everything in this world. As a matter of fact, there's more than one explanation. There's a bunch of them. People take the political version of everything that fits their narrative and they throw that out there and they want to demand that you just believe them benignly. Why? Because the experts say i got to be honest with you. I'm sick of the experts. The experts regarding climate have been wrong every time. Every time since they began to look at and talk about climate change, it wasn't climate change. You know how we got that term? Let me give you the quick history. Back in the 70s and the 80s, it was global warming. And then for a short time in the 80s, they went back to, we've got an ice age that's coming. we got to prepare for it. Well, they couldn't go back to, you know, global warming thing because they'd been busted on that. So Al Gore, former vice president, president wannabe that got busted in an election. Well, he became the climate czar for the United States of America and also all around the world. If you didn't think so, just ask him. He'll tell you. And he came up with this look. You know, we've been talking about global warming. Didn't happen. We got busted. And then for a minute, we talked about an ice age, pending ice age. We can't talk about that anymore. We got busted. So why don't we do this? Let's just go all generic, all generic. We can cover anything and everything that happens. Floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, forest fires, all kinds of things like that. If we just call everything the responsibility of climate change. Wow. Isn't it amazing? There are so many people out there that pick so many causes. We just need something to shake up the world right now. Something new, something that nobody's used. What have we had in our lives the last few years for that? Well, we've had mask and don't mask. Mask double and then don't mask again. And then triple. We've had social distancing. Three feet, six feet, 12 feet. Our kids in cubicles at school. Vaccination. If you don't get the vaccination, well, we have three choices. They're all amazing. Every one of them is going to save your life. Well, they didn't save our lives. So we got to get a a second vax. And then we got to get a booster. And then booster number two. Booster number three. Booster for life. That's where we are today. That's just one example. You know, if you don't do everything I say regarding science of coronavirus, you're going to die. Well, Dr. Fauci, maybe the science is a little bit different from some of the things that you told us it was going to be like. And he famously said, "I am the science." And the science is wrong again and again and again. And then all through coronavirus, you got to follow the science. Listen to the science. The science will save you. And then it didn't save us. And then we have all these other things that are going on. You're going to hear the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, weigh in on something about that in just a few minutes. You don't want to miss this. What else do we have going on? Well, we have a lot going on. Title 42. My goodness, just the rumor of it being done away with has just sent a slew of illegals massing towards our southern border in anticipation of getting the free ticket. Because if Title 42 goes, folks, there's no way our border security can keep all those people from coming. Caravans already put together, and even the daily crossings have just ramped up. I weighed in on all that stuff yesterday, and if you didn't read our story yesterday, if you haven't been keeping up with my opinion on this, my opinion is everything that's happening in this regard to do with our southern border, which is really not a border. It's not even a chalk line on a map. It's just an imaginary line that this president and his administration and all of it that work in that administration with him regarding immigration, they've just erased that line. It's gone. They're not just not enforcing the border laws. They're waving illegals in every day. Hundreds of thousands. We know about 700,000 that are gotaways. Those are the ones that we see on surveillance equipment, you know, drones and stuff like that. We see them, but we don't catch them. And then on top of that, add a couple of million that we know about. They're rebuilding the nation. They're repopulating the nation. And every single incident in this thing is created and perpetrated by criminal lawbreaking. By who? By the people in our government, including the president of the United States. All these people that work in the government, they they take an oath. They take an oath. What is their oath? They promise to protect and defend, but they promise to make sure constitutional law governs everything they do. Constitutional law. That's the law-breaking, law-making, that happened when Congress put these laws in place. That's how it's supposed to work. These people are supposed to enforce the laws, not break the laws every day. Enough about that. What else do we have today? There's a lot of Biden stuff. We already told you about Jen being front and center. A lot of stuff, some specifics coming from our, our global, uh, invasion. (laughs) It's actually happening It's an invasion. And, uh, then, you know what? I just thought this morning, very early. I said, you know what? I'm getting a little bit concerned about the Russia, Ukraine thing. I wonder how that's going. Not getting a lot of details lately. So I spent about 15 minutes skimming the headlines, all the obvious sources that we use here, most of them getting show prep ready, Fox News, Breitbart, Epoch, Real Clear Politics, The BL, Just The News, Rasmussen, The Federalist, Daily Mail, The Hill, Daily Caller, and even Drudge. And with the exception of Drudge, not one of those news sites that I told you had anything to do with the war on their front page. Now, I never, when I see something like this, an enigma like this, I never just say, oh, well, I guess they they forgot about it. There's not enough news there to to report on it, and I just move on. I used to be that way. But now when I see something like this, the ding, 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 ding goes off in my head. What's this all about? Why aren't they covering these things? I haven't gotten a handle on that, but I'm not going to miss any time being able to tell the story about what's happening in Ukraine and what's happening to the Ukrainian people. And so what I did was I found a good source, at least for this, and that's CBS News this morning. Very early, they gave us an inside scoop on what's happening and not happening in Ukraine.
2: We're going to begin with the last Ukrainian holdouts against a Russian offensive in a crucial city in southern Ukraine. Russia has shared this video of smoke rising from a steelworks in Mariupol, where it's estimated thousands of Ukrainian troops and civilians are under siege. Russia bombed the facility overnight, but it is vast and strongly fortified. The rest of Mariupol has more or less been destroyed. Most Russian forces are now pivoting to a new phase of this war in Ukraine, with an all-out offensive in the east of the country. Charlie Daggett is in Ukraine with more on this story. Charlie, good morning to you.
3: Good morning to you, Gail. Another ultimatum, another deadline for Ukrainian forces to surrender in Mariupol has just come and gone. Both sides have agreed on a humanitarian corridor to allow civilians to leave, but fighting rages on in cities in the south and the east. Drone footage shows a city torn apart after weeks of bombardment, residential neighborhoods flattened. Beneath the azovstal iron and steelworks plant, women and children huddle together in bomb shelters, too terrified to attempt an escape. A Ukrainian Marine makes a desperate plea. We're facing our last days, if not last hours. The enemy outnumbers us 10 to 1. And the enemy is closing in fast. Russian soldiers surround the steel plant, hunting down remaining fighters. Russia has intensified attacks along a 500-mile front line, advancing forward and reinforcing regions already under occupation, including the hard-fought Zaporizhia nuclear facility, Europe's largest. The nuclear power plant remains under Russian control in Russian-held territory on that side of the river. This is Ukrainian-held territory. Nearby, they've been counting the cost of the war. A Russian anti-tank mine took the life of 29-year-old paratrooper Vyacheslav Dimov on Saturday. How important was it for your son to fight for his country? It was very important. He dreamed like crazy of becoming a soldier, his mother, Allah said. But I didn't bring him into this world for war, but for a peaceful life, so he could live with his beloved wife, Ivana. His beloved wife, Ivana, and he had only been married for 18 months. They were planning to start a family when the war broke out. The 23-year-old widow told us about their last video call. Saying she knew that every call might be the last one. Every time we spoke, I told him, I love you. Look after yourself, she said. And now I say, I love you. Look after me. Ivana told us when she first heard the news she didn't want to believe it was true, but when it sunk in, her world shattered like a jigsaw puzzle. Vlad? Unimaginable and heartbreaking. Charlie Daggett in Ukraine for us. Thank you, Charlie.
1: You know, it's amazing. We hear story after story from people like Ivana there. And there are several million of these stories now from Ukraine. It's hard to believe this is happening. You know, we're supposed to be a world of educated and very smart thinking leaders that keep us away from the wiles that uh, really are negative and impact everybody when war takes place. But then something like this happens, unprovoked. Vladimir Putin just decided, hey, I want Ukraine. I want to make Ukraine uh, a a province of Russia, the old Soviet Union. Uh, I'm not even going to talk to them and ask them if we can do that. I'm just going to go in there and destroy their country, kill thousands of their citizens, and just take it for ourselves. Can you imagine what's going on in the nation of Russia right now regarding Vladimir Putin, you got to know that a lot of these soldiers, they were all told that they were going into Ukraine to destroy the Nazi infrastructure and to take out Nazis. That was the fodder that was being played, being discussed over and over and over, forever and ever in Russia about Ukraine to justify these soldiers going to war. And when it actually happened, the invasion happened. These people that went there in the military, they were seeing peaceful people that were being attacked for no reason at all. So you can imagine they're relaying this back to their family members who are being just inundated with nothing but the Russia leadership mantra, which is all about the evils of Ukraine. And actually Vladimir Putin himself on air told the Russian people that he was going into Ukraine to save the Russian people that were being just horribly treated by the Ukrainian government. In fact, some of them were being put in prison and being executed. None of that was true. We don't like things happening in some parts of the world. i got to be honest with you. Pretty regularly I decide I don't like things that are happening here across the United States either. So what are our options? What are the Ukrainian people's options? They either run, where are they going to run to? How are they going to get there? What are they going to do when they get there? It's really difficult to uproot your entire life and everything and everybody in it and just run away. Go someplace on a whim because of something that's happening to you that's beyond your control. It's bad enough when we lose a job And the only job we can find that we are qualified for or will fit our needs is way across the country and we have to move. That's bad enough. But that's moving for a purpose because of decisions that you made, choices you made. In this case, hundreds of thousands, now millions of Ukrainian people have lost their their entire lives. And they're having to leave the country just to stay alive. I can't imagine the torment that these moms and dads feel like Ivana. It's so sad to hear stories like that. But there are millions of those stories now. And they'll be telling those stories to their children, their grandchildren, for decades to come. That story is going to be told over and over again. I guarantee you Vladimir Putin is not thinking about his legacy at this point. You know why? Because he's a totalitarian nation leader. The government controls everything that's put in the history books. Aren't you glad that our forefathers left that type of government when they came across the Atlantic and settled in the new world and started what we are today? And yeah, there will always be those that will attack And they don't agree with, so they'll try to overthrow and change things. That's just what happens when you put different people together with different philosophies. And you know what? Our forefathers knew that was going to happen. They wanted it to happen. And they created a skeletal system called the rule of law by which anything, anybody and everybody and everything would be governed, but it would always be governed by the people, not by a Vladimir Putin, an authoritarian, or a group of those people at the top that control everything. It would be done by the people. It would be done of the people, the law. And it would be done for the people. We're fortunate. And instead of griping about things in our lives, maybe we ought to think about being thankful every day that we're not stuck in a situation like the Ukrainian people. We could be, we could be. And don't ever take your liberty for, for granted, don't do it. Don't ever think that it'll ever, or could possibly ever leave here. Do you realize that right now, there was a massive push in our country for the government to take over everything. That's what this is, this big swell of anti-democracy that they call anybody that disagrees with them on that thing where they want to take over and control every part of our lives, they call you, if you disagree with them, anti-democratic. Anybody that runs for office, that is against any of this top-down, takeover, uh, uh, socialism, whatever you want to call it, if you disagree with that, you're anti-democratic. If you're a billionaire, they'll call you in front of The middle class, they'll call you anti-democratic. But behind the scenes, they come to you and pat you on the back when you hand them a campaign check. We're in a a tough spot right now in our nation. We really are. And we have a group of people in Washington, D.C. that have put us there. Sadly enough, it didn't happen very quickly. It happened over a period of time. And we, very benignly, the majority of Americans, we just dozed. We didn't see it or when we saw it, we said, that can't be happening. These people wouldn't do that. And before you know it, they did it. And it can't be undone or it's too hard to be undone. And there are too many people asleep to see it that are willing to pay the price to get it done. What's it going to take? I can tell you there is a groundswell. Numerous people, millions of people that are seeing this, that are actively pushing back. Numerous ways, numerous people that don't all think alike, and that's good in my opinion. It's great to come up with ideas, throw all the ideas out there, and get back to a situation where we the people can look at them all, and that means everything from our people elections, from the laws that they pass, things that they change, things they grow out. It's okay to do those things if you're doing them for the people, what the people have voiced to you. This is what we want. And just like kids, folks, sometimes people in in this nation, they want something that's bad for them, and they don't realize it's bad for them unless and until it's done, and then they say, oh, my gosh, you were right. It's kind of like this, we're going to destroy the White House Title 42. We're going to terminate it. That evil Donald Trump put it in place, and we're going to go back to just letting everybody in. And they've been preaching that, preaching that, preaching that. The message goes to South and Central America, and those people down there, when I say those people, I'm talking about the cartels. They're making a billion dollars a week, we are told. By taking over and controlling and facilitating this flood into the nation, they've turned it into a monopoly. They control it all. I mean, it's like this: if you're if you're sitting in, uh, uh, let's say Brazil, and you want to come to the U.S. and you make a few phone calls. Look, I've got a I've got a bad background. You know, I've got some criminal convictions and drug trafficking. It's going to be tough for me to to get real clearance to get into the US but I desperately want to get there. Who can help me? Well, let me give you a phone number. Give you a phone number in in a southern town in Mexico. And you get a guy on the phone and he's a heavyweight in one of the cartels. You tell him what he, you need, what you want to do and he said, "Look, we can we can facilitate that. Here's what's going to cost you." half up front, half when you get there. That seems kind of stupid for us sitting here in the United States. We would never do that. If you're in desperate straits somewhere else, it's always been that way. We're never going to have the ability to take care of everything for everybody on the planet. But what our forefathers did, they knew they were immigrants. They knew we needed to be open-armed to immigrants that came here. That's what the Statue of Liberty has got emblazoned all over it. But the difference of what they put in place and what is happening now is that those group of leaders, they formed the U.S. government constitutionally, and they put a structure in place to make it work, to make things tick, so that everybody is treated fairly, everybody's treated equally. They have equal opportunities and then it's up to them what they do with those opportunities, but they're going to be held accountable. And oh, by the way, here's a set of laws for all these people that want to come here. We want them to come, but they want to come the right way. We'll welcome them. What's the right way you immigrate, you go through the immigration process. You don't just pay a cartel in Mexico to take you across the border in the middle of the night and charge you a fortune to do it. And then if you don't have the second half, the back half, they'll hold one of your children hostage and they'll kill your child if you don't pay it. That's happening every day on Joe Biden's watch, on S- Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas's watch. The rule of law, it means nothing In this administration, absolutely nothing. Joe Biden put it out there again. I think I'm going to cancel 40% of student debt. He doesn't have the authority to do that, but he's going to go ahead and do it. Here's the underlying philosophy now and our leaders on the Democrat side of this government, which by the way, they're in control. Here's their default position. Well, you know what, we feel like we want to do this. We feel like the nation needs this. We don't want to go through the process of doing it the right way. So we're in control now. So here's a list of things that Joe can do with executive action. You know, the pen and paper thing. And so we want him to do this. Well, you know, that's kind of, uh, it's not in his purview as set up by the Constitution. He doesn't have the unilateral power to just abolish debt of people that he arbitrarily chooses. That that falls under Congress. Well, you know, we got a 50 50 tie in the Senate, and we've got a, a really small majority in, in the House of Representatives. I don't think we can get this through and get it passed and signed into law. And if we did, I think it'd be uh, overturned. So what's the answer? Well, just tell Joe, go ahead and do it. Yeah, they'll slap him in the hand and all that kind of stuff, but it'll take so long to get it undone, we'll have already abolished that debt. We got done what we wanted to get done. We didn't do it the legal way, but we pushed it through. That's the thinking of the majority in Congress and in the presidential administration. Get as much done now get it done as quickly as possible, and it will be virtually impossible to overturn it if we don't take, keep the House, keep the Senate, and take the White House again in 2024. They're not thinking about today. They aren't. That's not what they're doing. They're thinking about five years, ten years, And they think about them being in control still in five to 10 years. Joe's got a problem at the southern border now in his own party. The White House is calling for a fix to our broken immigration system. What's the fix? They won't let everybody in. They announced this month it's going to end that Title 42, which has been used since March of 2020 to send a majority of those migrants that come in the border, send them back. The decision sparked some concerns from both sides of the aisle that ending the order could lead to an overwhelming surge at the border. You think it's already started. What well, Jen Psaki said on Monday of this week, it is important to remember that Title 42 is not an immigration authority or an immigration plan. What she's doing is pass the buck. She said, there's no question we have a broken immigration system. There's more we need to do. We've been saying that from the first day the president took office. And anyone who wants to work on that, Democrats, Republicans, anyone, how can we put smart security in place? How can we have an asylum processing system that works? We would love to do that. They didn't even try one time to do it. They haven't gone to Congress If the immigration laws are broken, get the representatives of the people, get in front of them, present them with a fix, get the consensus, the agreement that's required in the U.S. Constitution and within the the procedures that you guys have made for legislation and change the laws. Well, we can't do that. It'll take too long. And we don't think we can get it done. So we're just going to go ahead and do it. What's uh, Title 42? Well, under this title, a White House official said that a significant percentage of migrants have reattempted to come into the U.S. illegally. And that's following their rapid expulsions because they were not placed in immigration proceedings, not processed through our system, and ultimately faced no consequences for attempting to reenter the country illegally. In other words, they're justifying. Stopping doing that because they're just turning around and coming back. So why not just let them in the first time, right? They brought up some February numbers, said that in February under the Title 42 order, more than 90,000 individuals were expelled for attempting to cross the border and warned that they have no legal barrier to trying again and again. Novel idea. I don't know why I just now I'm thinking about this. If you don't want to deal with all that kind of stuff, if you want to deal with the fallout of Title 42, um, why not change the rules? Change the laws. Do what the people want you to do. Instigate and install the process of doing this that the people want you to install. Why not just do what you swore an oath to do, which is to protect and preserve the Constitution of the United States and to enforce all the laws that are duly passed constitutionally and signed into law. Mr. President, former Mr. Senator Joe Biden, much of this law that you want to ignore down, you were a principal and getting it passed when you were in the United States Senate for 36 years. Why don't you guys just do your job instead of trying to find ways to work around the system that you created. And so the nation screamed and screamed and screamed at the white house. I did the same thing. I wrote very negative stories about what this president is doing with the ignoring of title 42 as he has They bragged about shipping 90,000 out under Title 42 in February. Hey, hey, hey. But how many did they not ship back? We don't have those numbers. We do know that almost a quarter of a million got in. They just let them in. But guess what? I woke up this morning and I had one little nice thing come to my attention very early. Joe Biden is talking about backing down now on his plans to enter, to end Title 42. He's changing his mind. Republican lawmakers, they're all over it, but that's not what's happening to Joe. Democrats are now turning on President Biden about ending Title 42, Yesterday, it was announced that Biden and his top agency officials are considering not following through on their current plans to end the use of Title 42. That's supposed to happen next month, May 23rd, D-Day. The White House is looking for ways to buy time to avoid a massive influx of migrants that would add to already historic border numbers, the story that was written about this said. That already endangers Democrat incumbents in states that could decide the Senate majority in November. Now, listen to this, and and follow the line of reasoning. Endangered Democrats are bluntly and publicly warning of a political disaster in the midterms. They're pleading with the White House not to give Republicans an opportunity to paint Democrats as the party of open borders. Why? That's who you are. You are a party of open borders. The politics are pretty simple. That's according to U.S. Congressman Henry Cuellar, who's a Democrat from Texas. The Republicans are going to hit Democrats with those videos of people streaming into the United States. So if you follow the gist of that story and the language that was given and the reasoning It has nothing to do with enforcing the rule of law. It has everything to do with we got caught and we want to get away with what we were doing wrong that is making people mad. So, Joe, why don't you rethink your rescission of Title 42 and let us use this in November as a talking point to try to get some credibility back between now and then so Americans won't be mad at us, so mad at us to kick us all out of office and replace us with those evil Republicans. It's about the politics. It's not about the substance. It's sad, folks, but it's a fact. Now, this this illegal horror show at our southern border that goes on and on and on and on. We tell them, and they've been telling us, we tell you, it's not just a southern border issue. Every city, every town in America is facing a border problem. Like in Sterling Heights, Michigan. Yesterday, they arrested a couple of illegal immigrants They had a vehicle pursuit. They pulled them over, and when they did, the officers found more than 20,000 fentanyl pills transported by these two guys for a Mexican cartel, Sterling Heights, Michigan. The cops there, they tried to stop a BMW. The driver wouldn't yield. The chase ended when the driver pulled into a dead-end road and took off on foot. Officers arrested him not far from where the vehicle stopped. So during a search of the car, the BMW, you know, they can't travel unless they travel in style. They're working for a cartel in Mexico. Officers found those 20,000 fentanyl pills that were disguised as Oxycontin. In addition, officers found more than 500 grams of 500 grams of powdered fentanyl. In addition to the driver, they arrested a female passenger. Both allegedly told officers they are Mexican nationals in the U.S. illegally and were working for a drug cartel. Officials estimate the street value, $350,000 plus. They said there was enough fentanyl to kill thousands of Michiganders. Now, what about these cartels? Let me tell you, I told you, they're a big deal now. They're structured. They're organized. Guess what they have decided to do to facilitate the trouble that they see when they take these people across the border? You know, law enforcement out there, border patrol, ICE. How can we avoid them? The Mexican cartels are now using drones at the southern border, very sophisticated drones, a network of them across the southern border. A senior Homeland Security official said that Mexican cartels have conducted more than 9,000 drone flights over the U.S. last year. And they're putting these drones up there to monitor movements of the feds. Also the state, county and city agencies around the border, including border patrol, Texas Department of Public Safety, the National Guard, county sheriffs, and even local police. With the drones up there looking, somebody sitting at a desk with a computer screen for each drone watching the activity, they can communicate with their minions that are leading these groups to the border illegally. They can warn them about being caught. Now, who would think of doing that? And who would have the capacity to do that? The drones like they're using are not cheap. They're very expensive. And the equipment to set up a massive monitoring system that covers a whole southern border, that's massive and very costly. But they are making a billion dollars a week. That's the number we're given. A billion dollars a week. Where do they get that money? They charge these people that are flooding in from all over the world, not not just in Central and South America as it used to be. I mean, we're seeing people come in there and be caught from, from all over Southeast Asia, even Russia, parts of Africa, the Caribbean. It doesn't matter. People want to get to the United States, and they're willing to pay big money and to take a chance of getting caught doing it. And a bunch of them are getting caught. Immigration, it's a big problem. And I got to be honest with you, as long as Joe Biden is president, it's going to remain a big promise. I promise you that.
0: Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. fee fi fo fum. I smell the... Uh, I smell... Uh, Something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there?
4: Oh, this? It's the Big Hot Pastrami Sub from
0: Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, You mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll
4: trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. Ah!
0: You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese. It's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami, available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway, eat fresh.
3: Today on Hey Culligan, Softer equals
0: Telling the truth the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network.
1: Again, here's Dan. Got something you want to add to the show today? Question to ask? Well, just give us a call. Toll free, anytime. one 866 truth That's one 378 You know what's come to light, and you think about it, it makes sense. Um, Our immigration problem, illegal immigration problem, it's just not specific to those people that we were talking about flooding in from South America, Central America. It's become a global process, a global conflict of illegal migration that just happens to come through primarily our southern border, like 5,000 Ukrainians. 32,396 people from Cuba, 5,000 from India, 1,989 from China, that's just a few that number among the 249,198 that were stopped trying to enter the border in March, 249,198, and they were rushing to get here because, hey, 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 we want to be at the front of the line when they lift that Title 42, and we can just get in and go anywhere. The number of Ukrainians trying to enter the U.S., it soared in March compared to previous times. Russia's unprovoked and illegal invasion of Ukraine has forced more than 10 million now to run, leave their homes, and leave Ukraine, 10 million Roughly 88,000 migrants from outside the Northern Triangle were stopped by officials last month. And again, a total of almost a quarter of a million, just just a few hundred shy of a quarter of a million were detained in March trying to come in. That chorus of Democrats, it's getting louder and louder. They're working to stop Biden from ending this Title 42 expulsion thing May 23rd. A Michigan Democrat said that he has privately privately raised concerns with Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and other administration officials about the May 23rd expiration date. Congressman Peters chairs both the Homeland Security Committee and Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, He said he wants to give Biden time to detail a plan for handling the likely onslaught of migrants. If they don't have a plan, now this is him saying this, the Biden administration should revisit ending the policy. And in the wake of all this, migrant crossings at the Mexican border surged to the highest number in over two decades last month. Any Any person that has a shred of intelligence that had the ability to just look at the recent past at what's happened at our southern border and everything that went into all those coming across at the southern border for political reasons, if you look at and analyze that, you would just say, my gosh, anybody down there, anybody anywhere in the world that wants to get into the nation And they're not worried about getting into the nation legally. Just go to the southern border. You're going to get in. Odds are probably better than 80% that you're going to get in. And by the way, when you get there, you get the golden ticket. What's the golden ticket? Well, if you get into the United States, they're going to have to take care of you. What are they going to do? Make you go to a homeless shelter or something like that? No. If you'll come in and register, they'll turn you over to an agency that's going to Basically give you a place to stay, feed you, take care of health care, take care of your transportation. They'll even get you set up so you can get free stuff every month. That's the story that's being told around the world. And it's really getting uh, abhorrent to me. It's been abhorrent to me for a long time. And all of the excuses that are given. Folks, it's so easy to just turn your back on the rules, after it has become the normal thing that people are doing. And we're seeing it happen more and more and more. I mean, it really became obvious in the Obama-Biden administration when Barack told his first um, attorney general to stop enforcing drug laws, illegal drug laws, that didn't involve something really big where somebody got killed Somebody got hurt bad. Just don't don't prosecute people for that federally. It was the first time I heard about anybody in the government saying don't enforce these laws. And it just grew from there. Well, have you heard the latest about White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki? She's leaving the White House. I mean, we had 60 seconds of silence the other day because it's such a monumental thing to happen in the United States for Jen Psaki to leave the Biden administration. Oh my gosh. You know, I've been through a lot of uh, press secretaries of you as of you. We've watched them all in the White House. They very seldom last more than a couple of years. And I got to be honest with you, from what I understand, the job is so tough, it wears them out in a year or so. Well, Saki's going to leave, and I think she's leaving because she knows what's on the other side of the door for her and that the door is going to come kind of quickly and may come very soon. So she broke down in tears, and it wasn't about anything on her job. It was about anti-grooming laws, anti-grooming laws. Do you know what grooming is? Let's do this. Let's look up a definition together. Grooming definition. Let's see what, what Google has to say. I don't normally use Google, but I flipped over for this because I wanted to get the uh, the woke definition of grooming. It's taken them some time now to do this search. Let me try again. I'll go back to uh, DuckDuckGo. How about that? Let's do that. Grooming, grooming, grooming. Definition of grooming. You hear my fat fingers hitting the keyboard? Grooming, the practice of brushing and cleaning the coat of a horse, dog, or other animal. Regular grooming is essential to the well-being of your dog. Uh Uh-oh, here's the big one. Here's the one that Jen is concentrated on. Definition number two the action by a pedophile of preparing a child for a meeting, especially through an internet chat room, with the intention of committing a sexual offense. So a person that is a groomer in this this definition is somebody that perpetrates grooming, which is the action by a pedophile of preparing a child for a meeting, especially through an internet chat room with the intention of committing a sexual offense. So, there is an anti-grooming law that is being contemplated down in Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis put it out there. And it's basically what it's fundamentally and initially structured to do. It's to stop public school teachers from having the right, the authority, and the responsibility to teach our kids about anything and everything regarding sexuality. Oh my gosh, that evil Ron DeSantis and his government. They want to stop the, the teachers from doing what the parents aren't doing. If the teachers don't indoctrinate our kids and teach them the right things about sex, they're going to get a slanted opinion of everything to do it, and it's going to really mess them up. That's what this is all about. It just blows my mind because um, uh, I'm not even going to go into Jensaki. I'm just going to let you listen in. Here's what she said. This is not on a network that she said this. She is actually... Uh, she's talking to a blogger online and here's Saki talking about what's happening in Florida that she can't believe Floridians would allow.
2: Harsh and cruel attempts at laws or laws that we're seeing in some states like Florida. That is not a reflection of the country moving to oppose LGBTQ plus communities. That is not what we see in data. That is not factual uh, and that is not where things stand this is a political wedge issue and an attempt to win a culture war and they're doing that in a way that is harsh and cruel uh to a community of kids especially i'm i'm like going to get emo- uh, i'm going to get emotional about this issue because it's just it's horrible but uh But, you know, it's it's like kids who are bullied and like all these leaders are are taking steps to hurt them and hurt their lives and hurt their families. And you look at some of these laws in these states and it is going after parents who are in loving relationships, who have kids. It's completely outrageous. Sorry.
1: Can you believe that? Uh, The cry part where she started crying. Uh, Let's go back and listen to that listen to it
2: just, it's horrible but uh but you know it's it's like kids who are bullied and there' like all these leaders are are taking steps to hurt them and hurt their lives and hurt their families and you look at some of these laws in these states and it is going after parents who are in loving relationships who have kids it's completely outrageous sorry
1: oh my gosh well <sighs> What do you say? She's a professional journalist. The laws, like this one passed in Florida, prohibit discussions about sexual identity and gender in school classes with young children and prevent school officials from transitioning a child's gender without the parent's consent. Saki said, you heard her say, "The, the laws are cruel. Do not represent the majority of Americans it's like kids who are bullied and all these leaders are taking steps to hurt them and hurt their lives and hurt their families Wah, wah, wah. she scolded republicans for using laws as a political wedge issue in the ongoing culture wars here in the united states in the biden administration they don't they don't even they don't even use the law somebody that would use the law how stupid how evil They would use the law. (laughs) She said the political games and harsh and cruel attempts at laws or laws that we're seeing in some states like Florida, that is not a reflection of the country moving to oppose LGBTQ plus communities, she said. Maybe it's a good thing she's on her way out. Maybe she's going to be happier leaving the, the White House and going to work at that bastion of free speech and journalistic integrity, MSNBC. <laughs> she'll, she'll fit in perfectly, I promise you. So this story, in the middle of the gin story, it comes out that the Biden administration's Office of Population Affairs hadn't heard of it. It's a division of the Department of Health and Human Services. They have guidance posted focusing specifically on gender affirming care and young people. You know, I just got a lesson on grooming just a minute ago. What the hey is gender affirming care? <laughs> well, the Biden administration claims it is a supportive form of healthcare it's crucial to overall health and well-being of transgender and non-binary children and adolescents they say this a safe and affirming healthcare environment is critical to fostering better outcomes for transgender non-binary and other gender expansive children and adolescents This comes from the Trevor Projects 2021 National Survey on LGBT Youth Mental Health. They found, I'm sure it was in a great scientific uh, project they put together, they found that 52% of LGBTQ young people seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. However, the guidance glosses over the issue suggesting that gender-affirming care alone will help decrease the alarming figure rather than looking at other options outside of, you know, radically transforming a child's body. What are the other options out there? Focusing on the mental health aspect of those who are struggling with the mental illness known as gender dysmorphia. Presence of affirming support networks is critical for facilitating and deranging, gender-affirming care for children and adolescents. Now, let me just put this all in a in a nutshell, what this is all about. I remember when I was a kid, four, five, six, seven years old. Four, uh, four was about when I really became cognizant about everything around me. But five or six or seven years old, when I got to that age, and I grew up in South Louisiana, I know, Things are different there. People are different there. I'm different. I'm from there. But a a lot of things that happened were uniformity across the kids in America. And it's not just America. It's around the world. I remember having friends that occasionally would pick up taking and playing with dolls. And I thought they were sissies. But what they were, folks was five, six, seven-year-old kids. They were just coming to the point of being cognizant about their world. It's a stupid time to expect a kid to, on the other side of what you're about to do to end up being well emotionally, physically, and biologically to go through all of this stuff they want to force on kids and they want it to be forced on them in schools, public schools. And they want to do it without any input or any oversight from parents. And Jen Psaki cries about that. She cries about that. I want my grandkids, great grandkids, and their children I want them to learn about all of the important fundamentals of being human, all of the biological things are going to be well and okay with them, as well as the emotional things. They're going to be able to deal with everything that comes into their life, and that's going to come principally because of the foundation that is poured and laid and refined by their mom and dad. And then they're going to go to school, and they're going to learn about math. They're going to learn how to balance a checkbook. They're going to learn how to, in the case of boys especially, but girls as well, change the oil in their car and change a tire. And they're going to be taught very early on, when you want something in your life, it's not ever going to be free. You need to be willing to work. And do the things that are necessary to achieve the objectives that you want to achieve. And not look around and feel like if somebody else achieves betterly, that's not a word, if they achieve better results than you do in their lives, there's no reason to think they're evil and unjust just because they have. These crazy people down in Florida don't believe that. They believe in the equity thing. Everybody gets treated equally. Everybody gets the same kind of stuff. And if you don't get the same kind of stuff, we're going to make it up by giving you some other stuff that we're going to take away from somebody that got more stuff than you. Now, let me tell you how crazy this is getting. Parents filed a lawsuit yesterday against a Massachusetts school district. And the lawsuit alleges that administrators at a middle school are secretly promoting the gender transitions of two students, and they're doing it against the parents' wishes. So one attorney that's involved in this said the term groomer is being used a lot today. Imagine what goes through any parent's mind when you have some other adult talking to your kid about sex and saying We're going to hide the conversation from your parents. So this is happening in Massachusetts. Two sets of parents filed a federal lawsuit against the Ludlow School Committee in Ludlow, Massachusetts, claiming the district, the school district, violated parents' civil rights at Paul L. Baird Middle School. They allowed students to adopt different names and pronouns without informing their parents. The suit names the school committee interim superintendent Lisa Nemeth, former superintendent Todd G- Gazda, Baird Middle School principal Stacy Monette, school counselor Marie Claire Foley, and former librarian Jordan Funk. Ludlow Public Schools impermissibly inserted themselves into the private realm of the families, superseding their rights to make decisions regarding their children's upbringing, mental health, and well-being. The parents said they had asked Paul Bear's middle school employees not to have private conversations with their kids regarding gender ideology, but that the superintendent, principal, guidance counselor, and teachers ignored that request, went on to refer their biological daughter and son by other pronouns without the parents' consent, or even the parents' knowledge. The young kids are identified in the lawsuit as BF and GF, respectively. According to the legal filing, BF, 11 years old, wrote in a February email to school staff I am genderqueer. My new name will be R something. If you dead name me or use any pronouns I am uncomfortable with, I will politely tell you. And he wasn't finished. A list of pronouns you can use are she, her, he, him, they, them, fey, Fay, ervy, and ver, exe xemz, and zur. Can you believe this? Please only use the ones I have listed and not the other ones. I don't like them. BF wrote that, the parents said in court papers. The guidance counselor, Marie Claire Foley, responded to the young student and other school staff on the email exchange writing R blank 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 B is still in the process of telling his parents and is requesting that school staff refer to him as whatever and use he, she, her pronouns with her parents and in written emails letter home. BF's 12-year-old sibling also asked teachers and counselors to address him by a female name and hid those conversations from the parents. School teachers, people that work at public schools, have no business handling this. Why? Here's the travesty. Why are we just finding out that this is not only happening across the nation today, but it's been happening across the nation for months and years. That doesn't trouble you. It's been going on for a long, long time. Wow, and I hate it. I hate it that this upset Jen Psaki so much and I'm not going to sleep good tonight because of it. And in a way I'm joking, but in a way I'm not. It's sad, really sad, that this topic Transgenderism, teaching our kids what it is and encouraging our kids to adopt that thought process and the parents aren't even in the conversation. What is the United States education system coming to the public education system? And do you realize that hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars are going into this system that is promoting what you're hearing that's coming out of Florida. It's happening in every other state, I promise you. We just haven't heard the cases like these two kids. And in this school system, we've not heard that yet. If you're listening in today on this show, if you're listening to the podcast that you download later, you got kids in public schools, I encourage you to find out about this. Sit your kids down and ask them. Are you being taught this? Is this being taught around you? Do you know anything about it? And be very objective with them. Don't insert your emotions, especially if you're angry. Don't insert them in the beginning of the conversation. You know how to encourage your kids. Encourage them to talk to you. And I'll end this conversation just by saying this. One of the best things any of us can do is make sure that the conversation capability with our children between you and they are open all the time, open all the time. Why is that? You don't want them going to get information, get advice from anybody else when they have a question about anything, especially the real deep, serious stuff. You don't want that to happen. You want them coming to you. You want them to feel comfortable enough to you, with you, that they can come to you and say anything, tell you anything, and you not get mad about them coming to you because if you get mad when they come to you, they won't come to you again with any more about that one or certainly not about anything in the future. That's what families are all about. That's what responsibility is all about. You having responsibility to make sure your kid gets the best of everything, and them being able to look at both sides of every issue instead of just one. And if we're not talking to our kids about all things sex, you can book it somebody else's. It's happening. You can book it. Well, up in Chicago, we have inadvertently here at TNN Live, and I've been confronted with it, we have inadvertently called Chicago on numerous cases. We've called it the murder capital of the world, the gun violence capital of the world, at least the United States, and we've been called out for doing that. And let me say that, this, um, I got after it and did some checking to make sure our, our information is correct and somebody's calling. Let's see who this is. Good morning. How are you? Hello, are you there?
5: Hey, yeah,
1: I good got man. you. Yeah, I hear you now. How you doing?
5: I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, I enjoy listening to your show and one of the things I hear you say pretty often is that they, looks like a duck and it walks like a duck. If it quacks like a duck, it's usually a duck. Pretty much. And, um, you know, we're, you know, down at the 10,000-foot level from maybe 30,000 foot, looking at all of the different challenges that are being managed by the media. You know, the Gensaki issues, the White House press room issues, Ukraine issues, border issues. You know, and we're, we're we're kind of losing track of the of the the cohesive element of the glue that is not only creating or fostering these problems, but convincing us that these issues are not so important. They're trying to make the border crisis look much less important than it is. But if we get back up to sixty thousand feet and we look down, we can see. That all of the elements of what's going on in the Ukraine, what's going on in the border, what's going on with um, gender specificity, um, it all has one common nerve center, and that's mainstream media. And, you know, this is an example, and I know that uh, you have often praised Zelensky for his bravery, but I read the other side of the story as well that doesn't come from mainstream media. And what I do know is that Zelensky is kind of like Venezuela's Maduro. Um, he wasn't voted in by popular vote as it appears, or if he did achieve a majority of the vote, it came from an illusion that was sponsored in part by George Soros. And the, the guy, what's his name, uh, that owns the, the Russian gas company that um, Hunter Biden was being paid. By. I
1: can't remember the
5: name. Um, so, there's, there's, you know, obviously, if souls is backing something, it has to do with division, um, intrusion, <laughs> or some social uh, uh, injury uh, to the fabric in, in, you know, what we see is in the United States. The way you can control people is, first of all, you have to divide them up into five different groups. Then you support what people will believe is the largest group that's what happened with the 2020 election. I mean, anybody who can look at the evidence and just understand that it's mathematically impossible for Joe Biden to have won the 2020 election. And math doesn't lie. Any professor will tell you that, but there are mathematicians that were looked at all the data and said, there's no way this could naturally happen. This was an event, a controller. But the most important thing I think for people to understand of what's going on in the room, the elephant in the room right now, is Elon Musk buying Twitter. And the reason is because it represents to the entire world the takeover of a huge media giant and restoring it to a uncensored, un- unbiased media source.
1: And that is scary that is horrifying everybody on the left that there would ever be a a media outlet that would go back and start just giving us facts.
0: Well, the, the publishers
5: are already out right now publishing articles saying how awful it would be if Elon Musk let Twitter go uncontrolled because of all the bias and all the racism and all the crazy stuff that would occur. Well, that's, you know, these guys are actually paid to write those narratives. Oh, they yeah. don't come up with this. On yeah. it. And um, so they're out trying to convince people right now that this is no big deal. It would be a bad thing. But it's unconscionable that a group of people at the, at the Zoom meeting or at the board of directors table can say, you know what? We don't want Trump to win the 2020 election. So what we're going to do is we're going to cancel his count. We'll just say that you know he's promoting terrorism. Or it doesn't really matter. We can do it you know just because we can. But that should become criminal to manipulate. I'm sure it is. If you get down the fine fabric of it, but manipulating an election by blurring the public view or creating a Russian hoax which is really no difference, um, is criminal. And I'm, you know, looking forward to, uh, much succeeding and taking the record because the number of people worldwide, and I know your audience is, that everybody should send him messages of support for what he's doing, because it's the most important thing going on in the planet right now to cure the, um, the, Mainstream media controlled news, which, you know, we need to be paying much more attention to what's going on with kids in schools, what's going on um, with uh, COVID, the vaccines, who's responsible, what's going on with the COVID injuries, and how to unite not only our country, but all these other countries, because mainstream media is not talking about common ground, they're not talking about national holidays, <laughs> They're doing the opposite, you know. National holidays all seem to discriminate against somebody.
1: Here's the and, pro- here's um, the here's the problem we have. Everything that you mm. say makes perfect sense. It's all logical, and I think that most people mm-hmm. know that. But when it comes time to put that kind of thought process and perception about everything we hear, put it in play, it's just hard to flip that switch every time. It's almost like. You have to live in a real conspiracy theory world and you've got to look at everything you hear, everything. And when someone tells you the grass is green, you've got to make sure that what they're telling you is true. And if it takes going and doing some research, finding some resources that maybe differ a little bit from what you're being told, but you just want to make sure. And when we deal with kids, oh my gosh, there, I think the worst part of what we're dealing with now, and it starts with the invasion of mainstream media and therefore the narrative that is mm-hmm. put out there. Our kids are exposed to it through video games, online, this online, that at a younger age than we ever thought, uh, our parents thought we would ever be exposed to, but what we've got to do, we have to, we have to control the filters. Of everything that are going into their minds, we just have to.
5: Well, I, I agree, but but here's also I think the importance of what's going on with Twitter, and Twitter can be a, a, could become a, a video news program if it wanted to. It could, it could become any form of social media once it's under control. But <clears throat> when you can look at a newscaster or a journalist who does the research and presents the research in their argument about what they found, then we can make it you know, go back and look and say, well, this is where the background of the story comes from. Not from some talking head that receives a piece of paper and is told what to say by an editor in a newsroom. And that's all we're getting. And that's why Twitter is like the very first step for the entire planet to turn around and support a movement which is certainly motivated to ensure free speech, not only in this country, but all around the world.
1: You know what? I th- I think if Twitter does go, if Elon Musk is successful, and I believe he will be, I mean, anybody that can write a $43 billion check and the bank cashes it <laughs> has a lot of power, mm-hmm. to, and, and he's just touching, uh, scratching the surface of the cash that he has. But if he is successful and this thing goes in that direction, this is going to be the first of many. It's going to be like, mm-hmm. who's the next giant that's going to fall to reality? You know who I think it's going to be? Google. I think the leadership. I, I think the leadership at Google is probably the most tech savvy industry in social media. I believe they are. And I believe what they'll see, they're watching what's happening with Elon Musk at Twitter. They're watching it very closely because they know if it does happen, where it happens first, that company will become the monster that Facebook is today. Facebook's not going to go down this road that we're talking about right now. If Twitter does, Twitter's dwarfed by the audience that Facebook has I think Google's Mm going to jump into it because this will be their way to take Facebook on head on. Now, will it take a, an Elon Musk to go after Google? I know Google is massive, much bigger than Twitter. I don't know if it would ever happen, but remember we're living, we're living in an economical world where dollars and cents drive Uh, everything. And even sometimes the, the fact that people think differently when they see dollars and cents, maybe they'll start doing the right thing. I don't know.
5: Well, here's a thought for you. Um, you may have read and forgotten, but Google was didn't come out of Stanford from Sergey Brin and, and his partner. Um, it was a DARPA project. Yeah, it, it was. was, it was from the government.
1: Yeah, government.
5: Yeah. And the way I found out about Google for the first time was a retired admiral walked into my office in Virginia and went straight to a, a computer, I think it was mine, in fact, and, and said, watch this. And he brought up Google, and he typed in a search word, and hit enter, and it I think it still does, but it, it says how long it took to search how many different files, and the number came up instantly in less than a second. And it was amazing. Yeah. But here's an interesting side to this, is the, the, the U.S. government, and let's call it the U.S. population, Owns a certain part of that investment that DARPA made. And I know it's been diluted and shares and spread all over the world. And of course, the Alphabet agencies probably had their hand in that as well. But there is some public domain issues in Google. And the public does own all of that information that it's not volunteered to Google. And maybe they can make an influence. Um, over Google, as you know, public shareholders in their equity.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to watch. I really hope, personally, I really hope that uh, Elon Musk is successful. I don't use Twitter. I have a, a, a Twitter at D ACS, I believe. I have it. I never even look at mm-hmm. it. I can't stand what happens there in the messaging tank. So. Right. There are so many options out there. There's so much information, so much disinformation. Just like the caller, I'm going to tell everybody that's looking in, find a way, make it a practice to look at everything. When you see it or hear it, most of the time, if it's coming from anybody in mainstream media, it's coming from a political slant. And you may get little bits and pieces of the facts, but do a little research if it's an important matter to you and go get all the information before you make decisions. Hey, thanks for calling in today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking my call. Have a great day. You All All right, then. There's a good perspective. Hey, Lori Lightfoot, remember? That's up next.
0: Thank you for joining us this morning. Join us Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 Central, for Dan Newman, TNN, live, the Truth News Network, or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's Hump Day. Woo <laughs>
3: Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel
0: on Wednesday. Hump Day! Get happy. Yeah! Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Long live the courageous. May hey, God bless and keep you away. May you The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. To our work. And the commitment to outlast them all. RAM. Proven to last.
1: and in live we got about um maybe 35 36 minutes left to try to get a bunch of stuff covered that is very very important and one of those going into uh, the telephone conversation we had we were we were just about to get into a conversation about Lori Lightfoot she's the mayor of Chicago and you know everything about Chicago and the crime and stuff that's been there it is through the roof every weekend when the weekend's over I find myself every Monday morning looking to find out how many people were shot and how many people were killed during the weekend in Chicago. And it's just kind of become a normalized thing. Chicago is the third largest city in the U.S., New York first, L.A. second, Chicago third. And it's a very diverse city, spread out. It's on the water downtown on one side, uh, Lake Michigan. And it's a gorgeous part of Illinois. Chicago is. It really is, but it's like any major city has sections of the city that are not so good, where lawlessness will creep in and take over, and that's happening. And it's not just happening in one area of Chicago. It's happening across Chicago, and so Lori Lightfoot is talking about running for re-election, even though she has been slammed by media over and over. And over again, justifiably so, because she makes some really bad choices that have impacted a lot of people while she's been mayor. So yesterday, press room, press briefing, people are out there, the media, they're asking the mayor some questions. And um, this is a typical press briefing for Mayor Lori Lightfoot.
4: Mayor Lightfoot, every time you have a press conference, you say crime is down. Uh, The economy is booming.
2: Well, that's that's not true, but get your question, sir.
4: Across the street, we had a police officer on duty, the victim of a hit and run. We have Michigan Avenue, the Magnificent Miles now referred to as the mile of fear. The water tower place has thrown the keys back to the lender. They say they don't want to be in Chicago anymore. Real Chicagoans are asking me, how could you possibly even consider Running for re election as mayor of the city of Chicago after all the harm you've caused?
2: Well, I disagree with you fundamentally, um, and I don't think I need to address any and dignify your comments one second further. Next question.
4: I have a follow up question regarding the mayor's race. You have a few possible challengers. Cam Buckner just got charged or possibly convicted of his second DUI. You have John Catanzaro, who couldn't even hold on to his own police badge. You have, my God, um, who else? Willie Wilson, who endorsed you when you ran. You have... Do you have a question, sir? Yes. Ray Lopez, who <laughs> says he's going to make history as the first gay Hispanic. Of all of these challengers, who do you see as your greatest challenge?
2: I am not focused on any of the other people who are um, saying that they're going to run for mayor. What I'm focused on on a day-to-day basis is doing my job, doing the job that people elected me to do.
1: Rufus Williams. Time and time again, almost every time I've heard her in front of a a national television camera or a press conference in her own town like you you just heard there, Laurie Lightfoot has stuck to this thing. Crime is down since she's been the mayor of Chicago. So I thought we'd look at some facts. You remember the process I was just talking about with Peter, the previous caller? I was talking about when you hear something, see something, do a little research and verify if it's factual or not. The year of 2021 ended as one of the most violent years in history for Chicago. There's a rise in the number of shootings, that left more people dead than in any single year in 25 years. And this is according to statistics released by the Chicago Police Department. According to the department, 2021 ended with 797 homicides. That's 25 more than were recorded in 2020, 300 more than in 2019, and the most since 1996. There were 3,561 shooting incidents in 2021. That's 300 more than were recorded the previous year, and a staggering 1,415 more shooting incidents than were recorded in the city in 2019. Other cities have seen an increase in the number of homicides. But Chicago, as it is in previous years, ended 2021 with more homicides than any other city in the United States, including, number one, New York, biggest city, and number two, Los Angeles, both of which had recorded at least 300 fewer homicides than Chicago for the year as of late December, from their police data. I don't know how anybody could stand in front of a, a microphone, a camera, just like you heard Mayor Larry Lightfoot do, and say the reporter is wrong. <laughs> the reporter is wrong for asking the questions that were being asked and making an inference about how could she ever think about running for re-election because of the rampant crime in her city, that she says crime is down, the numbers say otherwise. It's almost like it is being normalized across this nation in every area of our government, federal, state, local. Come up with your own narrative. Sell something that may not be factual, but it makes you you look good. Do everything you can to sell it to the people you want to vote for you. And they're just sheeple. They'll listen, and they'll do what you tell them to do. And sadly, there are a bunch of people around the nation that do just that over and over and over again. If we circle back a bit to the story, Jen Psaki, you heard her crying here on the show. We go back to what's going on in Florida. Governor DeSantis announced yesterday that the state legislature is considering a proposal to eliminate the special tax situation that Disney has and to eliminate the governing jurisdiction in DeSantis's fight against the mega corporations, woke politics. He said this in a press briefing yesterday. I'm announcing today that we're expanding the call of what they're going to be considering this week, and so, yes, they will be considering termination of all special districts that were enacted in Florida prior to 1968. That includes the Reedy Creek Improvement District, he said. Well, that Reedy Creek Improvement District is Disney's Special Governing and Special Taxing District for the Walt Disney World Resort. The legislature there authorized this in 1967, and they did it to boost economic development, boost tourism within the district's boundaries. This includes 25,000 acres. Eliminating this special district would be a significant economic blow to the Disney Corporation. This is the latest fight. Disney announced its opposition to the Parental Rights and Education Bill that he signed into law this year. Disney has also pushed to incorporate man, many, many LGBTQIA characters in its stories. Republicans have also considered other measures to fight back against Disney's LGBTQIA agenda. Matt Gates, representative re- Republican from Florida, called on the Florida legislature to end Disney's six hundred million dollar tax cheat loophole. That's what Gates calls it. House Republican Study Committee Chairman, Jim Banks, who's a Republican from Indiana, said he would fight to end the Mickey Mouse copyright. Of all things, Mickey not being Disney. That's kind of a ironic move, huh? Something interesting popped up yesterday, and I wanted to bring this to you. Throw it out there and ask you your opinion about it. You know, when you have a problem with a president, a sitting president of the United States, and you feel strongly that person needs to go away, And I got to be honest with you, I've had that sense and that feeling about a few before this one. You didn't have any options. We talked about this just the other day. With the lawlessness out of this administration, especially regarding their refusal to enforce federally passed and signed into law by president immigration laws. How do you get rid of a president that would do that? Well, you've only got just a few options. One is for him to resign You know, who thinks Joe Biden's going to resign? He's in the job of his life and he thinks he's doing a good job. That's scary. And another reason why I think he needs to leave office, resign, leave for illnesses purposes, be impeached, be impeached. And of course, impeachment's the only realistic thing, but that would have to initiate in the House of Representatives. Nancy Pelosi will never lead a charge to impeach and remove Joe Biden from president. It'll never happen on our watch. Well, there's something else that's out there. And this is kind of a conundrum for Democrats because they're the ones that are pushing this. At that White House Easter egg roll on Monday, remember? Biden, everybody in the world saw him confused, unsure of what to do, where to go. He stumbled as he attempted to read a children's book. He was interrupted by an Easter bunny, a costume Easter bunny, when he attempted to address the media. Apparently the bunny, who was a press aide, had been assigned to direct the president's movements at the event. So what Joe did there and what he looked like while he was there, he's being mocked all around the world. But it's causing concern even more here is that the leader of the free world is being directed by an Easter bunny. In October of 2020, on a much flimsier pretext. You remember this? Nancy Pelosi and Representative Jamie Raskin reintroduced a bill to establish what Raskin called the Commission on Presidential Capacity to Discharge the Powers and Duties of Office. What's it all about? Well, it was to create a process for evaluating any sitting president and then removing him or her from office, if necessary, given mental incapacity. Now, who the heck was Nancy and Raskin? Who were they after? Donald Trump at the time. Pelosi said, he will face the judgment of the voters, but he shows the need to create a process for future presidents. She said, Congress has a constitutional duty, to lay out the process by which a president's incapacity is determined. And she added, but we are reminded of the necessity of this action by the health of the current president. You remember the the incident that sparked this? It's when he was speaking. I think it was at the Naval Academy, maybe West Point. But it was outside, and there had been snow, and there was a declining walkway that came from the, the podium where he spoke, a wooden parkway, and it was slippery. And he walked very gingerly down the walkway because he had on leather sole shoes that are slippery. And when the media saw that and how he was very carefully taking every step, they just jumped on it, pounced on it. He's having physical and mental problems. <laughs> she, she, Nancy said, It was not merely about Trump, but about the general principle of congressional authority to weigh in on any president's capacity. So, maybe it's time for Republicans to take Pelosi, Raskin, and the dozens of other Dems who co-sponsored this bill. They should challenge Pelosi to bring Raskin's legislation to a vote in the House and bring the issue of biden's very obvious mental incapacity put it up on the front seat let's take care of it the commander in chief should not be taking orders from a easter bunny and in my opinion <laughs> it's way past time for nancy and for congress to intervene listen this is this is the big reason why i feel so strongly Power needs to be taken away from the Congress. Power needs to be taken back and controlled for every president. This is not an authoritarian nation. Presidents like Joe Biden, like any president, shouldn't be writing rules, making laws, these mandates that are supposed to be being done by the people's representatives. I know they're elected, But that's not what they're supposed to do. They're not supposed to craft government. They're just supposed to execute.
0: The show is better when you're a part of it. So be a part of it. Join Dan at 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN. Live. The Truth News Network. Or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Okay barbecue, cheddar, sour cream, salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cuz the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new
1: best friend.
0: The many flavors of Lay's chips, one taste and you're in love.
1: Whether holding down the fort
3: or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with Sun Maid snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sun-made's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar,
2: and Sunmade's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious. All made with whole
0: fruit. Sunmade Snacks.
1: Oh my gosh. I think this was the first rap song you remember this? <laughs> there it is. Walk This Way. It was a good song. I liked it. <laughs> I really did. Hey, guess what? There's news coming out of the Durham investigation. So as the trial of Hillary Kim, uh, Clinton campaign lawyer, that guy Michael Sussman, getting close to the trial time, John Durham and Sussman's lawyers are fighting over what evidence can be admitted in the trial this is interesting as part of those agreements those arguments they got to come up with what's acceptable what's not Durham filed a routine response late on Monday detailing why the evidence he's looking to looking for and he wants to admit is both relevant and admissible so these back-and-forth filings are common in the weeks leading up to especially federal trials. But the disclosures made by Durham are anything but routine. The most striking of these concern data trails that Sussman and his cohorts, including, remember, Tech Executive One, Rodney Joffe, had supposedly uncovered between Trump and the Russian Alpha Bank. It was widely claimed and confirmed by every mainstream media outlet that these data trails established a direct communications channel between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. Sussman took that all to the FBI in September of 2016, hoping to trigger an investigation into Trump and his campaign. The very existence of an FBI investigation would then be used by the Clinton campaign. That's a meteor kill shot that they could have used against Trump in the final weeks of the election. That would have it would have cemented a victory for Hillary. Well, as we know, it didn't work as planned. Trump went on to win. But this setback didn't put the brakes on that operation that now turned into an effort to hobble Trump's presidency. In his early presidency, a month into it, February of 2017, after he was inaugurated, Sussman took the same data trails to the CIA... John Durham has now disclosed that the CIA immediately knew that both data trails were fake, finding they were not technically plausible, that they didn't withstand technical scrutiny, that they contained gaps, that they conflicted with themselves, and that they were user-created and not machine or tool-generated. The data provided by Sussman. It consisted of alleged internet lookups between the Trump folks and Alpha Bank, as well as alleged use of a Russian-made Yoda phone in Trump's vicinity at Trump Tower, near a Trump interview in Michigan, and near the White House after he was elected president. The fact that the phone data was very questionable was obvious from the beginning. Sussman alleged there were only a dozen such phones in the U.S., Claiming that they weren't publicly available, but were sometimes gifted by Russian government officials. I've never heard of a Yoda phone, Y O T A phone. The information that he gave was false. Yoda phones were officially launched in the United States back in 2014. And as Durham notes, between 2014 and 2017, millions of lookups of Yoda phones that originated with U.S. based internet information. The number of these Yodafone lookups has led to some speculation that Sussman and other Clinton operatives might have cherry-picked data to make those communications look like something they weren't. In other words, there was real data, but it was being misrepresented by Sussman. Proof of that allegation would have been bad enough, but Durham has now revealed that the CIA determined the data was in fact user-created, which means it's fabricated. This was an incredible disclosure, and it begs the question, who created the data? It also highlights a larger question. If the CIA knew this data was falsified in February of that year, why did it allow Trump to be hounded throughout his presidency with false claims of Russia collusion? Furthermore, what about Robert Mueller? He spent about $42 million in our taxpayer money, supposedly investigating Trump-Russia collusion. Keep forging ahead with his investigation like he did. The information from the CIA changed everything. Why did Mueller and his team never disclose that the underlying data trail was fake? They knew it. They knew it all along. The CIA found it at the very beginning of this nor is that information anywhere in their lengthy two-volume report. You know what's happening on this, folks? It's it's being peeled back one layer at a time. I know we must understand the onion is big, <laughs> and it's got a lot of layers, and John Durham is peeling those layers back one at a time. Don't think that he's just finding out things, and the sussman, this attorney that was, that was really the heart and soul of the manipulation and everything that happens in the legal world regarding all this stuff that the Clinton campaign was initiating and doing. And had, in cooperation with them, John Brennan from the CIA, James Clapper from the DNI, and of course James Comey in the FBI. And if you haven't yet read the front page story today at truthnewsnet.org. It goes into this elaborately. New information. I wrote it. It was an exhaustive piece, but it's time for all of this to be exposed. I'd like to see them all sitting somewhere taking an oath of office, not before Congress, because the three I mentioned, they all lied in front of Congress, got busted, and because of their buddies in the Department of Justice, not a single one of them has been charged for violating multiple federal laws multiple times. This is just an example of how deep the tentacles are in the Department of Justice. There'll be more about this later, I promise you. Well, I guess you heard about the latest going on over at CNN. Everybody in the world knows and just hangs on everything CNN says, everything that happens to them. They're obviously the biggest news agency on earth, right? Well, they may spend more money than any other news agency on earth, but their wings are being clipped. They are in T-R-O-U-B-L-E right now. They had a very rocky April launch with CNN Plus, their streaming service. And their parent company, Warner Brothers, has reportedly suspended all all of their external marketing efforts for the new streaming service. And then they fired longtime chief financial officer of his duties. Now, are you sitting down? I'm going to give you the number of CNN plus subscribers. I mean, you know, CNN, we're talking about cable news network, the number one network, the very first ever, they got it all going on. They got it all together, right? Before I give you their numbers of subscribers, let me just tell you, um, Sean Hannity, you know Sean Hannity, Fox News, 8 o'clock Central Time show, you know how many people listen to his show every night? Not every night, but most nights, somewhere between 5 and 9 million people. One show, between 5 and 9 million people. After all the promotion, all the money, and they spent big money externally promoting CNN plus and the ads that promoted it. I saw several of them on other networks is, is, is pretty fantastic. And it really made it look like they're going to do some really good stuff. Do we need a drum roll? Just under 150,000 subscribers. 150,000 compared to 5 to 9 million that watch Sean Hannity every night. Executives for CNN have been calling the launch a success, while Discovery executives, because up at the top, I didn't tell you this, it's not just Warner Brothers that now owns CNN, it's Warner Brothers Discovery is the name of uh, another company that those two companies went together. Discovery's current CFO for streaming and international, a guy named Neil Chugani, is replacing the former CFO at CNN, Brad Farrar, and will decide what to do with the subscription service moving forward. CNN executives are frustrated. You think (laughs) that new leadership is moving so quickly to tear up what they believe will eventually be a profitable service? Listen to this. The original plan, the original plan, was to pump $1 billion, with a B, $1 billion into CNN Plus over a four-year period before they even planned on getting profitability. And if you don't understand what profitability is, it means at the end of the month, end of the year, you make more money than you spent. In other words, you had some walking around money at the end of the year. The Discovery big shots have repeatedly said they're interested in returning CNN to its journalistic roots and pivoting away from perspective programming like the 9 p.m. hour formerly anchored by Chris Cuomo. CNN Plus features, in the estimation of Discovery, is too soft and without enough hard breaking news. We're going to keep our eyes on this because, and in in, in not just in the news world, folks. In the media world, which affects all of us, whether we like it or not, it's there. It's messaging, it's communication. And we're involved in it some way that pretty much we take it, we just take uh we don't even think about it during the day, but it's there. We need to be involved in it, and when we are, it means they all are going to impact us. So we're watching that. We'll keep you posted on it. Have you thought anymore have you heard anymore you know all that noise at the very beginning when the Hunter Biden laptop came out a lot of people were talking about what you know what 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 does china have on joe biden what does china have on joe biden its a public matter we talked about it here it was never really hidden but nobody ever really talked about it in the in the, the vein of some kind of conflict But Hunter Biden spent a lot of time on U.S. transport jets with his then vice president dad, who is now the president of the United States, and several of those trips had to do with going to China. And in those trips to China, Hunter wasn't just tagging along, his daddy set up meetings with some of the greatest corporate heavyweights on the planet that were Chinese And there was, in the first meeting, they basically, uh, this is what was going on when Hunter was meeting separately with these business moguls, these Chinese moguls, while his dad was meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. That's what we're told to believe. I personally believe that Joe was in on, maybe not all of these meetings, but some of these meetings. Why is that? Well, there had to be some credibility for the Chinese to spend a billion and a half dollars with Hunter Biden's investment firm. What could have caused them to do that? To give this guy a young man who's an attorney, but he's never had any investment management experience whatsoever. A billion, five hundred million dollars. Why would they do that? Well, he's the son of the. Vice President of the United States, he can open doors for us. And maybe he can close some doors for us. So that's been hanging over this president's head from the very beginning. And especially every time anything in conversation comes up about China. Nearly two-thirds of voters in the United States think that Biden has been compromised by his and his family's ties to China. Trafalgar Group they took this poll, and they did it in conjunction with Convention of State Action, found that over half of those polls say it's very likely that our president is conflicted-slash-compromised when dealing with China due to the family's personal business dealings in China. About 11.5% of those that responded said it's somewhat likely Biden is compromised. 36% said it's unlikely. When you split up the party, among Democrats, about two-thirds think he is uncompromised. Among Republicans, 85% think that he's in the tank for China. And then there are those very important independents. More than two-thirds think Biden and his family are compromised by what they consider their various and closely guarded ties to China. Mark Meckler is the president of that entity, Convention of States Action, says the poll numbers are an indication that members of the U.S. voter base see through the smoke and mirrors. You know, it's kind of um it's kind of cool for us to even imagine that there are people out there <laughs> that are actually paying attention to things like that. There's a lot of power in Southeast Asia, politically, not just there but around the world. Xi Jinping, he may be the Chinese leader. What he wants it to be for is for life. And every year he's there, China politically ratchets down with more and more power and more and more egregious actions against its citizens. And just the thought of the possibility, and not just a possibility now, it's a probability that the President of the United States is obligated in any way, for any reason, to China. It makes it really scary to watch what this President does. That's a wrap on Wednesday. Thank you so much for being here, folks. Love having you. You have a great day. Don't forget that front page story at truthnewsnet.org. And make sure you're back here tomorrow morning, every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Central. See you then.
2: You know me after
0: all these
3: years Oh, love I hate to
0: disappoint
3: you But there's something you
2: should know This is not The center of the universe that's all right with me this is not the center of the universe but it's where i want beside you, wherever you may roam, Someday,
3: with all the stars to guide you, you will
2: find your way.